0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by the boys. That is Kyle Soppy. He can be found on Twitter at KyleSoppyPFN. That is Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at DerekTateNFL. Gentlemen, when am I going to stop calling it Twitter? I feel like at some point, I have to get that out of my just natural host. Like, this is just my intro every single time. I got to get that out of my vernacular here at some point. Kyle Soppy, how are you today, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. Derek's gotten good at it. I have not. For me, it's Twitter. It's just like Kleenex. Like, Kleenex oh, are yeah. always Kleenex. They're not tissues. They're Kleenex. They will be until the day I die. Twitter, that platform, as long as it exists, is Twitter to me. I'm never going to get to X, but Derek's, Derek's made the transition. Maybe he's just a better person than I am not
2: a better person what i am is someone that can read the teleprompter and i am ron, <laughs> ron Burke. if it is in the teleprompter i'm going to read it so now that it says x i do throw in formerly known as twitter every now and then but you know change comes pretty swiftly and speaking of change we're heading into 2024 And there's a lot of movement and rankings and changes along the fantasy football landscape heading into the next season. I'm excited. Well, hey, Derek
0: just said swiftly, so he wants to kind of subtly steer the conversation towards Taylor. So if we're not doing that here, Derek, we're not doing that. It is day one of the fantasy football offseason here officially for us. And there is a ton of movement already here as we are recording this here Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We only have news on two coaches that have been let go. So by the time that you are listening to this, there may be more, but we only have news on Arthur Smith being let go by the Atlanta Falcons and Ron Rivera being let go by the Washington Commanders. I do want to spend some time here talking about the fantasy fallout here. What is the fantasy impact of the Atlanta Falcons? Thank you. Moving on from Arthur Smith. Kyle, I will throw this to you first. What is the fantasy fallout? What do we need to be expecting here moving forward for players like Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson?
1: Well, for the first two, you got to be excited. How could you not be? This We're talking about... The highest rush rate over expectation in the league this season. And they weren't playing from, you know, this isn't a stat where you're playing from ahead. They're 7-10 and and behind in all these games, and they're running the ball. They're melting the clock. Arthur Smith from day one wanted the season to end. Like, that's not how you're supposed to do that. That's not what fantasy managers want from three viable assets. So, obviously, it moves their stock up. We got to see who comes in, who's under center. Like, that's a big part of all this. Moving Arthur Smith doesn't elevate you know, B. John Robinson to the number one overall pick conversation. It doesn't put Kyle Pitts into my top five at the position, but it definitely gives him a path, a path to being somebody we can count on. I wasn't playing or ranking Drake London or Kyle Pitts as a viable starters for the second half of the season. That shouldn't happen for guys with this kind of pedigree, this young in their career. Arthur Smith is to blame largely for that, but not completely. They need some help under center. We're hoping to get that at the draft here. We'll see exactly where that goes. But yeah, the arrow's pointing up. You can't look at it any other way. Everything
0: that Arthur Smith did with this usage of Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Coppitz was just so counterintuitive. Even yesterday, watching the game as we see Bijan Robinson removed on a third and goal opportunity to see Cordero Patterson be handed the ball. <laughs> it's like, this is not that difficult. You have been handed a generational talent at the running back position and you refuse to use him. Yes, rotate in Tyler Algier. He's a fine running back. That's great. Give Bijan Robinson the opportunity. Derek, what does this do for the dynasty value of? Drake London, Kyle Pitts, because it seems everything up to this point has been so
2: counterintuitive.
0: The next coach that comes in just is like, get the ball in their hands. That can only help from a fantasy
2: perspective. There's so much you can do, so much to work with for any coach. That's going to be one of the most attractive positions uh, for head coaching vacancies for some of those top candidates, cough, cough, Harbaugh, maybe, uh, to come in and step into that type of setup, whether you have Bijan Robinson, who, by the way, has been my number one running back in dynasty formats even with the struggles with Arthur Smith, I still believe he is just that special. But certainly that path for Kyle Pitts and Drake London in particular, who's had like a wide receiver three floor, despite all of the struggles in the passing game and usage and just the static nature of that Falcons passing attack over the last two seasons, Drake London's still been a wide receiver three, and that's his floor. Now, if you get somebody in there that, Actually knows what they're doing, and we have a, a jump in quarterback production with the right offensive-minded head coach. I could see Drake London, you know, kind of sneaking into the, that that top twenty. I already have him as a top fifteen asset at the wide receiver position in dynasty formats. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I still have him as a, I'm stubbornly keeping him inside my top six uh, in my dynasty rankings at the tight end position, just because of how elite of a prospect he is uh, but it needs to start coming together and hopefully they get the right guy in there but instantly the fact that arthur smith is gone justifies my aggressive ranking because i do believe in their prospect profiles moving forward
0: the coaching move will automatically as kyle Sopi said arrows pointing up for all three of these players but then also the potential of that they're not catching the ball from Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke next year. What happens if they go after Kirk Cousins on the free agent market? If he finds his way there, what happens if they go with a Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington, who we will see here play later on tonight in the national championship game at the number eight overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. There is an upgrade coming for these players. So very, very excited to see what the future holds. Let's talk about Ron Rivera here. Not a ton necessarily to break down. This offense has been kind of frustrating to, I mean, to manage, to work through. We saw good things from Sam Howell at points this year because of how often they were throwing the ball with Eric Bieniemy. Now we don't know what that future holds here. So not a ton to break down, but Sapi, I'll send it back to you. Does this move, move the needle at all for you on Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson?
1: It doesn't. It doesn't really move it. I mean, they were top five in pass rate over expectation this season. If you can get that, like, I'm going to be all in on McLaurin again. The runs a tight ship there. You want to trust that offense, and I do. McLaurin's a good player. He should be featured as much. I, I don't know why he wasn't. Maybe it's ineptitude at the quarterback position. You touched on maybe they figure that out this offseason. If that's the case, Terry McLaurin's going to be a top 15, top 20 kind of guy. But he hasn't been able to return that right now. They, did, they had to do everything they could to get him to 1,000 yards yesterday. In the NFL 2023, 1,000 yards shouldn't be that hard yeah. if you're healthy in an alpha wide receiver one like McLaurin is. I want him to see. I want him to thrive. I don't know if the moving on from Rivera changes that in a major way. I need to see something under center before I elevate him to where I think he can be. As we look at the dynasty outlook, uh, Derek, here
0: for Terry McLaurin, for Jahan Dotson, the number two overall pick has been secured by the Washington Commanders, which means that they can stay put and they can get either one of Caleb Williams out of USC or Drake May, who knows how the next several months will unfold as far as where those quarterbacks land and if we see anyone move up into that range. But a quarterback upgrade is most likely coming here for Washington as well. What does this do for Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson?
2: It, a lot of it's going to depend on whether they keep Eric Bieniemy uh, and who they bring in as a head coach. If it's like someone like Bill Belichick, obviously we don't have that information right now, but it, there's going to be, ai am going to be very interested, very intrigued, for, in particular for Jahan Dotson, which I actually really like Dotson as a prospect coming out of Penn State. But you're looking at his first two seasons, and the numbers are what they are, guys. It's, he was the wide receiver 51 his rookie year in just 12 games, flashed that big playability, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think he's a, an above-average separator. But the next season, in a pass-happy offense with 22 more targets, he finishes the wide receiver 56 in PPR formats. It just – production hasn't been there, guys. And maybe the right offensive system maximizes his potential – and gets him more involved. But certainly Dotson is someone that I'm very nervous about moving forward if you invested a first round pick. So I think just a lot's gonna depend on who that hire is. Uh, there in Washington. I'm very intrigued by it, but right now I just don't have enough information, I feel like, to be able right. to aggressively move Dotson up or down. Uh, certainly the arrow seems to be pointing down on what was a disappointing 2023 season.
0: We will see over the next several weeks here how this all plays out. We will have you covered here at pfnfantasy.com, whether on the website or here on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast guys if you have not heard ESPN's new sports betting app ESPN bet is now live secure $250 in bonus bets by signing up with the link in the episode description and use the promo code PFN you will instantly have $200 in bonus bets in your account plus another 50 within 24 hours you must be physically present in one of the 17 states that legally have ESPN bet for bonuses 21 years or older and present in participating states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER also we are going to get into here some top 10 takeaways from the 2023 fantasy football season before we do if you you have hung out with us all year long we greatly greatly appreciate you this was year one of the pfn fantasy football podcast and we saw some incredible traction and growth here we appreciate each and everyone that listens Take 30 seconds out of your day here, guys. Rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening. Helps out in a major, major way. We are not going anywhere. We are going to be here with you all offseason to make sure that you guys are covered not just for 2024 fantasy football, because guess what? The preparation starts now, but also the dynasty season here as we cover these incoming rookies as well. Let's get into this here. I wanted to do, kind of stop, take pause, review As we have the fantasy football landscape consistently and constantly changes things that we learned two or three years ago are no longer relevant as we look at the landscape as it changes here. So what I wanted to do was just stop, pause and look back at what we learned here from this year that we can take with us as we start to prepare for 2024 and beyond. So Sapi, I'm going to send this here to you first. What is your number one or we'll start at number five. We'll work our way down to number one, number five takeaway here from the 2023 fantasy football season.
1: Yeah, my first two are going to be similar here. I think ADP can be awfully noisy when it comes summertime. Like you get a lot of hype going a lot of directions here, but sometimes, sometimes we get it right as an industry, and that's what took place at the tight end position this year. And I'm kind of tempted to say it's going to be the same next year. We saw we saw Sam Laporta breakout. Okay, that happens. You're going to get a rookie. You're going to get a young guy explode. That's kind of hard to see, but tight ends two through five, you know what they were? They were tight ends one through four on the ADP board this season. You've got Kittle. Hawkinson, Andrews, and obviously Travis Kelsey. So I think the top board, the elite echelon of tight ends, you can't really go wrong. Shuffle them up, deal them out however you want, but I think you kind of got to stay chalk if you're going to go that direction or you're going to pay way down. Make up your mind, but I think the top of the ADP board is more or less pretty accurate when it comes to the
0: tight end position. I think there's a conversation for the ADP within the specific position, but then also the overall Overall, ADP and where those players land. So did you see anything here with those players two through five, like you said, or or one through four sliding down to two through five? Did you see anything here with that lesson that you learned that is going to make you more interested in investing in those middle rounds of fantasy drafts? Or are you still like, that's great for the positional ADP, but I'm still going to be willing to take that tight end later on.
1: Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I'm going to be price sensitive when it comes to that. I wasn't willing to pay up for Travis Kelsey in a first-round pick capacity this year. If you start getting the tight... like I, I view kind of the top tier as one kind of chunk of players. I don't think Kelsey really separates himself in a major way, and the tier is growing as we go here. So if you're talking round four and five is when those guys start going off the board, maybe you'll get my click there. I'm more tempted, like you are, to wait because there's so much similarity after you get outside the top five or six at the position. But I will... I'll consider it in the early to mid rounds if a tier if the end of the tier is starting to fall a little bit. This just tells me that we need to do a 2024 fantasy
0: football mock draft here as soon as possible. Let's do to it. Test this yes. out. Uh Derek. Let's send it to you. Number five takeaway here from the 2023 fantasy football season. So
2: here's a yeah. So here's a takeaway that I didn't anticipate potentially having that I would actually like to maybe pay attention moving forward. Uh, so I really feel like I learned something. Second year running backs. It it was a thing in 2023 start looking at like the top 24 as far as fantasy finishes this season Brees hall second year running back with the same head coach same coaching staff rashad white same head coach second year running back uh kyron williams came out of nowhere but a second year running back familiar with the system same offensive minded head coach um brian robinson Also had some very nice moments, same coaching staff, second-year running back. I could kind of keep going on, James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco. So moving forward, I feel like if we're – sure, rookie running backs are still a great lottery ticket to invest in late in fantasy drafts. But if we're looking forward to next year, potentially, guys like Kendry Miller throwing a dart. Now, granted, he may jump up depending on what off-season moves they make. But also maybe a guy like Chris Brooks – I know he's way off the fantasy radar right now, but who knows if they're going to bring back the 32-year-old Raheem Mostert or if they're going to continue to give Jeff Wilson Jr. uh, any sort of significant run moving forward. So that is something I feel like I kind of learned this season uh, that we can potentially take advantage of moving into 2024. That would be really interesting. You look
0: at players, too, like Zach Charbonnet, and then I want to say this off the top of my head, no preparation, Taishai Spears was a rookie this year, right? Taishai Spears Mm -hmm. was a rookie? So second year running back going into next year, that – I mean, that's another name to kind of circle there as could take that major step forward here. As they get into the NFL, they get acclimated to the system, and then they continue to progress. I think that's a really good observation. Sopi, let's send it
1: back to you. Number four takeaway. Yeah, you're not getting me to number four without me getting one final parting shot here. There is, I I agree with what Derek said. There was a lot of good growth from running back twos. You know what's going to happen to all those players you just mentioned? There's going to be a Damian Pierce somewhere in there. I don't know where it's going to be, but it was an excuse for me to throw Damian Pierce under the bus yep. one <laughs> final time. My number four takeaway, trust the top of the board when it comes to the wide receiver position. Maybe it's just pass catchers because I said that tight end. I'm going to say it again at receiver for the top six in ADP. We're top eight finishers at the position. You're talking AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson. We're talking a per game basis, obviously, and Tyreek Hill. We got the top end right. Even a Monroe Ross St. Brown. He was drafted as the 10th best receiver off the board. He finishes as number four on the season. Even Jamar Chase, he lost his quarterback. T. Higgins was a ghost for most of the season. He finishes as a wide receiver one, which is where we had him in ADP. So I think there's room to get creative. Don't get me wrong. At the wide receiver position, you've got your young guys. You've got Jaden Reed who comes out of nowhere. Puka Nakua who comes seemingly out of nowhere off the ADP radar. We were going to do MVP. Puka Nakua, my fantasy MVP for 2023 so as you get down a little bit I think it makes sense to take your shots but when it comes to wide receiver one let's not get crazy let's not try to find Puka Nakua and draft him five rounds too early stick to the board when it comes to the top 15 or so and then get creative get on your way there but generally as an industry we're pretty good at identifying the top of the board when it comes to pass catchers and 2023 is a great example of that go ahead Derek
2: Oh, there's just a lot of patting yourself on the back here in the fantasy football industry. We normally get it right. I I, know. I I understand, and I feel pretty good being a part of the fantasy football industry. You're complimenting me too, but uh, (laughs) uh, certainly that is uh, the the wide receiver board kind of shook out in a lot of ways the way we expected it to this year.
0: I I did want to ask as we look at that, you know, like the conversation. I think going into this year more than ever before was leaning wide receiver over some of the running backs in that first round. And I think that this year really, I think, put the nail in the coffin there. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about this year as we get further down, but like really put the nail in the coffin there. If you got to go wide receiver in the early rounds of your draft, taking a chance on outside of Christian McCaffrey, uh, taking a chance on Austin Eckler in the first round over a Tyree kill was a massive, massive mistake here that defined your fantasy season. Does that takeaway that you have there, Soppy, does that really kind of play into that as well of next year, I'm going wide receiver in that first round, unless there is a Christian McCaffrey that's still sitting there at pick six or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is still my 101 just because of realistically the rest of the position. Like, we all have faith in McCaffrey, and our lack of faith in the rest of the position as a whole elevates him even further. But Check out the website. We've got a mock draft up there, the first four rounds going through what could happen in a draft for 2024. And yeah, it's wide receiver heavy early and often here. Christian McCaffrey is a one-of-one talent at the running back position, but you talk age curve, you talk injury. There's too many moving pieces, whereas that doesn't take place at the wide receiver position. And if a wide receiver gets hurt, Nobody can just step in and take Tyreek Hill's role. Somebody can step in. Zamir White can look like 95% of Josh Jacobs. That doesn't happen at the wide receiver position, so you build in some stability through the wide receivers that you can't replace later. You can replace running backs if it gets ugly. All right, Derek, let's send it to you.
0: Let's keep the wide receiver conversation going. Number four takeaway. Yeah, we got to be pretty careful
2: to prematurely write off quote-unquote old wide receivers. Um, generally that's guys that are like around 28, 29 years old, or anybody that's 30 is already ancient when we're talking about fantasy football. But when you're looking at the finishes at the position, Tyreek Hill, 30 years old, uh, wide receiver two behind CD lamb, Mike Evans, old faithful, 29 years old, wide receiver seven in PPR formats, Keenan Allen, who's missed the last month of the regular season, wide receiver eight, Stefan Diggs. 30 years old, wide receiver 9, and Devontae Adams, wide receiver 10. And I could continue to go on and on, but the veteran wide receivers who are set up to be alpha target earners seem to be a safe investment on draft day that continued to return big dividends. I mean, if you got Keenan Allen where you got him this year, probably in like the third round, you were happy. If you got Mike Evans in like the seventh, you were doing a backflip all season long. So... I don't want to write off old aging wide receivers uh, too prematurely heading into 2024.
0: Yeah, I think that that is a really, really clear clarification to make of the older wide receivers that are still penciled in to be the alpha target earners, mm-hmm. right? You, like Adam Thielen comes to mind immediately of like, this guy was, there's no competition in that wide receiver room, 32, 33 years old, or however old he is now, not People were not banging down the door to go draft Adam Thielen, but he was a very, very solid and reliable fantasy asset over the first half of the season. Definitely tailed off here towards the end. That's definitely something to keep in mind here that the wide receivers that are still penciled in to be that alpha target earner are safe investments there. And for me, I think this year more than ever before, I'm going to be leaning more safety than upside here, especially in those early rounds, because... I got burned in a lot of different spaces looking for some upside there in the early rounds of drafts. Sopi, let's send it back to you. Number three takeaway.
1: Yeah, I'll stick with some of those receivers here. I don't think you need to chase an offense that has an elite quarterback when it comes to trying to find these wide receiver ones or just wide receivers that produce based on their average draft position here. That drags down the ADP. Mike Evans obviously comes to mind. We all wanted to kill him. His resume was nothing but gold. We had Baker Mayfield and we're like, nah, he's like wide receiver 37 like no that's that doesn't make sense he's not 76 years old he still has plenty of skill and Baker Mayfield by the way he's been a quarterback in the NFL for quite some time but he's not alone like DJ Moore we love Justin Fields for a fantasy asset but nobody's gonna say he's a refined passer DJ Moore great season Michael Pittman we thought "Eh, maybe Anthony Richardson who knows Anthony Richardson gets hurt and we're like oh my god Gardner Minshew for the next three months what are we gonna do Michael Pittman's god gift of fantasy consistency this season Chris Olave. Worked well in New Orleans. Not really any quarterback situation to write home about there. Amari Cooper breaks the Browns receiving record. We wanted to watch <laughs> because Joe Flacco comes off of his couch and just knows how to get him the rock. Tight ends the same thing. Nobody thinks you know. Jared Goff's great. Sam Laporta historic rookie year. T.J. Hawkinson backup quarterbacks. Yada yada yada. You get the idea here. Yeah, I would love to go with quarterbacks, and that's what landed me on a guy like Rasheed Rice because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes. It works, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can get viable wide receiver one or two production from places that you don't think the quarterback can produce that because it's a pass-happy league. There's passing yards left and right. If there's an alpha targeter, like you guys were saying, I don't care the age, the makeup, the profile. He can produce if he's getting looks. All right, Derek, let's send it over to you. Number three takeaway here from
2: 2023 speaking of upside and chasing upside i'm going to go to the quarterback position here and i'm going to say that we were all kind of chasing upside with some of these young dual threat signal callers and while they do have these high fantasy ceilings that can absolutely break the slate on any given week for you they come with inherent risk justin fields missed time anthony richardson got off to a great start but ended up missing a significant part of the season uh The upside is certainly there, but did you know that eight out of the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks in 2023 all rushed for fewer than 300 yards? Hmm. Like pocket passers give you a fantasy floor that you can get at a major discount because you're not drafting the upside league winning type players in the middle rounds. So waiting on quarterback, it's a tried and true true method that's, you know, stood the test of time in, in fantasy football. Seems like that could be the case again, heading into twenty twenty four.
0: Two players that immediately come to mind when you are t- in that discussion is two players that you would not shut up about this year: one, Brock Purdy; two, Jordan Love. Jordan Love, two yeah. players there, two quarterbacks that are pocket passers, and they bring some level of mobility to the table. But they're not Justin Fields or not Anthony Richardson, right? They were consistent options for you for the majority of the season. And we saw the upside that they presented as well because of the weapons that they had in their respective offenses. I think it's a really, really good point to bring to the table because I do think that we have gone a little bit too far in the other direction, especially too when we see so many of these young athletic options coming into the league where we're like, oh, they could break the slate. They have the upside. But like you said, they come with that risk. Whereas in the meantime, the consistency and safety that these other players bring you with Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, and you didn't have to invest a top 10 pick at the position into them. There's
1: something to be said for that. Soppy, let's
0: send it back to you. Number two takeaway here from 2023.
1: Yeah, and you're talking about the mobility and I think it's touchdowns over yards and carries or anything like that when it comes to mobile quarterbacks. I mean, the role is changing. Jalen Hurts' role in Philadelphia is to score touchdowns. It's not necessarily to run for a ton of yards. It's to score touchdowns. We've seen Josh Allen used in that capacity for Buffalo this season more than ever before, so I get where you're going there. I'm going to pivot from where I was going here. I'm going to say if you want an overachieving quarterback – like just based on ADP and where they're going, you need to have yourself a locked-in wide receiver one. I just made the case for how wide receiver ones don't necessarily need a quarterback. It doesn't work the other way around. You look at guys that overachieved based on ADP. Dak Prescott, obviously a wide receiver one there. Tua, wide receiver one, not close. Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Matthew Stafford, guys like that all had top 10 receivers and they were able to overachieve where they were being drafted this summer. So if you're going to go that direction, if you're going to wait on the quarterback position or wait and try to you know, fall down the board a little bit, you have to be confident in their number one option. I don't care if depth is a concern or there's something like that. You can work around that to some degree, but you can't just find these top 15 receivers. Make sure you have one if you're drafting down the board. So you're telling me don't draft Bryce Young. That's what I'm telling you. Dear. Loud and clear, that is the only evidence I have. Otherwise, Bryce Young's just a great option. But outside of that little nugget I just gave you, yeah, don't draft Bryce Young. Go what about Jordan Love? Right. He might have a wide receiver one, right? I mean – I, I like Jaden Reed, but I – mean, he No, might he's talking be, about, he, about Dontavian Dantavia, Wicks. Uh, yeah. Right? The all-name <laughs> team. But, yeah, no, I mean, obviously nothing's perfect here. But for the overachievers this year – Jaden Reed, would you say he didn't overachieve where he was going? So, if you're going to say a top 10 receiver, obviously they all had wide receiver ones. Jaden Reed, far and above where he would have been. Don't get me wrong. I was wrong on Jordan Love a thousand times over. I was wrong on Jaden Reed, too. I mean, he is far above what we thought. I don't think he's a top 10 receiver, but he's certainly a I think he's working his way into a wide receiver one role, not for fantasy, but for the Packers. He's the guy. He's a target earner. He's what... If we knew Jaden Reed was going to be what he was this year, I would have been far more confident in Jordan Love. I guess that's the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, I think that there's the case of, like, you have... For every Jordan Love, there's a Russell Wilson, right? Where it's like, Russell Wilson, yeah. the confidence... Did we have confidence in the wide receiver one there in Denver? N- no. Like... they I like Jerry Judy. <laughs> but, yeah, the is it Jerry yeah. Judy? Is it Cortland <laughs> Sutton? Like, I think there there is... I think Jordan Love is more of an outlier and we'll dive more into this as we move throughout the rest of this offseason. But like, is Jordan Love truly an outlier or is he now the moving case, the case study moving forward? I think there's a conversation there. Derek, listen to you. Number two takeaway.
2: Number two takeaway for me. Can we throw out the window this whole don't draft rookie tight ends because they can't be fantasy contributors myth now? Sam La 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 Porta, baby. It's tight end one fantasy football season. Ah, look, I get it. A lot of things had to fall into place for Sam Laporta to have the type of season that he had in 2023. But a tight end with his type of skill set, which we see a lot of these guys coming to the league, cough, cough, Brock Bowers, as long as he doesn't get drafted by the team that has Arthur Smith on their coaching <laughs> staff, I'm not worried about that. I think Brock Bowers is a running back who plays tight end. Uh, and he's going to be in my top 10 heading into the season unless he lands somewhere terrible um but the the whole myth with you know rookie tight ends I think that was kind of debunked this year not only with Laporta finishing as the tight end one overall in PPR formats but also Dalton Kincaid at tight end 11 so two tight end ones from rookies this year including the top number one spot I think we can go ahead and throw that out the board and take it on a case-by-case basis moving forward
0: I think that's the, that's the important part of it is like, I think that we had really come to the point of this is unanimous at this point, rookie tight ends will not contribute for you. They are a terrible draft day investment. You wait until they break out. But if you invested in Sam Laporta in your draft at tight end uh, (laughs) 13, you know, you reached a little bit, you had faith. I mean, goodness, you potentially won your league because of him. I I think that it's at least breaking the, it's uh, not a unanimous case now at this point. And it's now we operate it on a case by case basis, because I think that you also mentioned, you mentioned Dalton Kincaid, but I think that you can also put Trey McBride into that conversation as well. Like he wasn't a rookie. He was a second year player, but missed part portions of his rookie season, had Zach Ertz above him on the depth chart, never got his opportunity. But as soon as he got the opportunity, he produced in a big, big way. So I think it is now this case by case scenario and breaking it down from that perspective. Even
2: Musgrave and, Tuck, yeah. and Tucker Craft, if yep. you combine them basically in their production throughout the season, they probably finish somewhere as a top 15 tight end. I don't have the numbers available, but um, or at least I didn't do that type of research. My humble apologies. But yeah, I mean, it feels like whoever's been the tight end one or the starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers this year has been a fringe tight end one option for the majority of the season.
0: I will be drafting Tucker Musgrave as a top 12 tight end next year. <laughs> Soppy, number one takeaway on the year. Let's go.
1: See, I was, I was going Luke Kraft there, I but thought Tucker about it, Musgrave, but, I kind of yep. like that better. Yep. I like it. Um, my number one takeaway here, and it's nothing new, but it's just the direction of our NFL and people, I don't want to say they're slow to move, but you're not, you're not moving fast enough. You need to catch passes at an elite level if you want to be an elite fantasy running back. It's just that simple. I don't care. It's not a PPR thing. It's not a half PPR thing. Any league... That is our avenue to greatness when it comes to fantasy this year. Top 10 running backs, right? We've got CMC, ETN, Kamara, Gibbs, Rashad White, Brees Hall. They all caught over 50 passes. Other guys in the top 10 either had a career year when it comes to scoring touchdowns, which is fickle. We can't really project career years like mm-hmm. what Raheem Mostert had or something like that. So the path to consistency is through the pass catchers. Obviously, the exception there, I just named nine guys. The exception, Saquon Barkley. The Giants were terrible. Like, okay, that's going to happen from time to time here. But if you're not catching 50 balls or at least pacing for that on a per-game basis, your odds of becoming a running back one in this time and this era, it ain't going to happen. It's, it's a tough way to get there. PPR, obviously, you get more points because you get rewarded for the receptions. But receptions are worth more than carries in space anyway. So that's what I'm looking for in all sorts of leagues. You're telling me that you didn't project Raheem Mostert for
0: 20-plus rushing touchdowns? I had him at 19. I had ah, him at 19. So close. And I- <laughs> so close. Uh, Derek, let's send it to you. Number one takeaway of the year.
2: Fellas, <clears throat> you know, we talk about rookie running backs and how they're nice lottery tickets, right? Seems as if the case should be made that rookie wide receivers, uh, even late in drafts, in unsettled situations, should really be on everybody's you know, late round dart throw target approach, right? Like that type of strategy can pay huge dividends. Of course, no one saw this from Puka Nakua uh, heading into this season or very few people, right? Uh, Not a wide receiver for finish with, you know, setting the rookie receiving record for receptions and receiving yards. Um, But you also look at the rest of some of these rookie wide receivers, Tank Dell, who was in an unsettled or undetermined, you know, kind of target share there in Houston. Uh, we also look at what we got from Jordan Addison. We look at what we got from Zay Flowers. Uh, now, we we knew that Justin Jefferson was the top guy, um, but we also knew that there was a role that he could actually be efficient uh, alongside the other pass catchers because he's just not demanding that much attention in comparison to Justin Jefferson. But in the, in the case of Zay Flowers, um, Flowers was a guy that is it going to be flowers is it going to be odell is it going to be um rashad Bateman? is the top target earner producer at the wide receiver position there in baltimore um and then of course rasheed rice so all of these rookie wide receivers and i can keep going on and on and on and sure you don't hit on every single one of them guys like michael wilson and jalen hyatt uh didn't really make a huge impact but those dart throws could pay huge dividends down the back after your draft. Uh, and certainly there was a lot of success in trying to identify those type of receiver rooms that don't have a an established alpha target earner at the wide receiver position. Or there's a second role, like yep. Addison stepping into Adam Thielen's target share, yep. could pay big, big dividends.
0: Rookie wide receivers will never be cheaper than what they are on draft day is really what we talked about that going into this this season, right? They will never be cheaper to invest in because they're an unknown. Like you have people who are committed. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast at this time of year, you are committed to understanding the fantasy football landscape and understanding these incoming wide receivers and running backs will get to them. I promise you that. But The majority, the the vast public does not understand who Rasheed Rice is. They don't know who Jordan Addison is. They don't know. No one knew who Pukenokua was going into the year, but the players that you can circle there and say, there's an ambiguous wide receiver room. There's an ambiguous target hierarchy that we don't know how it's going to play out. That's where you can invest. And it's worth the dart throw at the depressed ADP, the depressed cost. Like Zay Flowers at his ADP where he was going in drafts was a fantastic investment. Derek was pounding the table for Zay Flowers this year. Fantastic investment because we didn't know how that wide receiver room was going to shake out. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, you mentioned those situations. Those are the wide receiver ones. But that wide receiver two role was completely up for grabs. Was it KJ Osborne? Was it Tutu Atwell? Like those, those roles were there to be had and these wide receivers stepped up and took the place of them. If you don't hit on them like a Michael Wilson, like a Jalen Hyatt, it was a 14th round, 15th round draft call like draft pick that doesn't affect you whatsoever. But when you do, when you can hit on a Pukunakua in the 15th round or something like that, it's absolutely worth the investment. I loved this call Derek, because I think that those rookie wide receivers, especially as we get into the later rounds and this incoming draft class is special at the wide receiver position like we're starting to dive into it right now it's insane and so some of these players that we're going to talk about here on this podcast are going to be fantastic draft day investments if we can circle the players that that wide receiver two or that wide receiver one role in their offense is up for grabs absolutely love the call here all right that'll do it here for top 10 takeaways from the 2023 fantasy football season soppy any parting words of wisdom before we get out of here
1: no, I mean, I think you're on to something with a lot of hype on the rookie class and understand that it's going to be case by case. I think that's the important part of any of this young or youthful player. I mean, You say young, it doesn't have to be rookies. But take it case by case, like the tight end situation. I agree with the take that not all rookie tight ends are bust, but that doesn't mean all rookie tight ends are Sam uh, Laporta either. Right. So case by case, remember to take fantasy one step at a time. All right, make sure to go over to pfnmerch.com
0: where you can get yourself some championship gear here. I'm wearing the fantasy football goat shirt here. Derek's got the the sweatshirt, the mug. Make sure to go over to pfnmerch.com and celebrate your fantasy football championship if you did walk away with the title. What well, one? if you did? Make sure to drop that in the YouTube comments. Make sure to reach out to us over in the PFN Fantasy Discord or over on social media. We love hearing that, that we had a hand in helping you win your fantasy football league get yourself some merch over at pfnmerch.com. Additionally, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell to get notified on YouTube, youtube.com slash pfnfantasy. All right, that'll do it. For Kyle Sopi and Derek Tate, I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.